Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friends, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson, holistic veterinarian and owner of Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center in Chicago's northwest suburbs. Dr. Carlson's quotes appear in dozens of publications you can find on the internet, including this past week, MarthaStewart.com, PetMD, Rover.com, and many others. Dr. Carlson practices a blend of Eastern and Western medicine and customizes treatments for each individual pet he sees in practice. We also have an unconventional name, of course, for this podcast, but we decided to have fun with our topic. There's a term woo-woo that kind of pokes fun at what we do. Tell me kind of a little bit about what that means to you. Really, my practice encompasses everything from acupuncture, acupressure, to enough, which is a, a, a form of acupressure, traditional Chinese medicine, and uh, herbal therapy which is the most and uh, really the most useful tool for me is BioScan custom holistic testing. Okay. Uh, we'll also discuss a few alternative woo-woo treatments for pets with our expert advisor, Lindsay Halpern-Givens. Lindsay will be talking about aromatherapy, Reiki, and crystals for healing. If you like using diffusers and essential oils in your home, we'll talk about the benefits and the need to dial down the scents around your pets because for animals, your essential oils won't always give your cats and dogs all the feels. You've all heard about the ketogenic diet and who isn't on keto right now. Everybody has. My sister's a bone now after after being on keto for a long time. Maybe your dog, but should a dog eat a high-fat diet? We know there's a serious obesity crisis for dogs and cats going on in America. Is keto a way to drop some puppy poundage? And we'll discuss that in a little bit. Also today, our ear infection guide is available on our Facebook page, Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. This page has a lot of great info for all the things we talk about here, including weight and treat calorie counters, which we discussed last week. We'll visit our ear infection guide, talk about spotting ear infections by how your dog reacts to their ears being handled. Um, We're here to provide guidance in this podcast to people who are looking for information or looking to find a way to spark a conversation with their own veterinarian. So what we're talking about isn't really considered medical advice for individual pets. However, you can pick our brains today by calling in at 866-472-5788. And Dr. Carlson does offer telemedicine services, custom holistic testing, homeopathy, as well as records review for you. You can shop for those services on our Facebook page, Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice, or get in touch with us at holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. So we're happy to help you out if you have some questions, wonder how holistic medicine can actually apply to your pet. So we've had some great wins in holistic medicine this week that we wanted to share with you. It's been a week really where East meets West. In terms of medicine, Western medicine is like standard conventional medicine you get at a veterinarian's office, much like what you'd receive at like a conventional human doctor's office or hospital. This type of medicine is clinically researched. Its results have been well documented and reviewed by peers, but sometimes it just works better to have a hand up from age-old methods to get the ultimate recovery. 
So two cases I wanted to share this week include a little 10-pound dog who got into a horse pasture and was trampled. This was a terrible accident. Oh, yeah. Great family. He's from a wonderful family. It's just they had to run a bad luck with this one. They did seek emergency care. But what happened after that is the pet came home, started to recover, and could not go to the bathroom on its own. And I'm talking number one. Right. That's right. right. Uh, when I saw him, he wasn't able to urinate on his own. He had been treated appropriately and well by the emergency provider. So they did a great job. It was just time for me to do mine. And that's where both conventional and holistic medicine come together. All right. Describe what you thought when you saw this pet. Well, he, he seemed very, you know, pain-free, content. He was uh, not able to fully bear his weight, although he would stand on his own with a little bit of support from my hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did have deep pain when I pinched his toes so he could pull away from me, and but he couldn't urinate on his own and he couldn't walk uh, on all fours on his own. Mm. Uh, he didn't seem painful, uh, and that's often the case after a back injury is that the initial pain is there in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And thereafter, it's all really feels like numbness, like when your arm goes to sleep. Yeah. Kind of that similar feeling oh. uh, all the way down to complete paralysis, which I've seen cases of that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you decide what to do next? Well, first of all, we, we have to look at the patient and, and understand that, you know, conventionally, we want to control pain. We want to control inflammation, which was done. But the next step is we want to, in Chinese medicine, it's called stagnation. Mm-hmm. So we, we have stagnant nerve flow, we have stagnant blood flow, and we got to get that operating again. So they can feel you know, the circulation going back to the back feet. And we, we take for granted walking is you just get up and walk. Uh, but to dogs to get up and walk, and for us to get up and walk, it's a very you know, not only muscle and nerve flow and blood flow, but all has to coordinate together. And for front legs and back legs to work together, we got to get that connection going again. Mm-hmm. How does Chinese medicine do that? Well, by using acupuncture, uh, first of all, we're going to stimulate those. It's kind of like jumping the circuit. We want to stimulate what's working in the front to transfer to the back again. and try. To, it's almost like steering after a, an auto accident uh, or, uh, a, a, you know, construct road construction, you've got guides how to get around the construction. Mm-hmm. And so that's what acupuncture is doing until that area is fixed or healed, just like a road, uh, where free flowing traffic goes again. That's what acupuncture can do. Uh, herbal medicine combined with that, I used a product called double P2 helps to give a little stimulation every day. And that combination together uh, seems to be very, very effective. Mm-hmm. And that's by Jingtong Herbal. Jingtong Herbal, yeah. Yeah, and that's where you studied at the Qi Institute in Reddick, Florida, to do your um, traditional Chinese veterinary medicine uh, info there. I think you can even take your animal there. I referred a horse there this week. You can, yeah. Mm-hmm. A great place, mm-hmm. a wonderful it, place. It's yeah. really amazing. So we had, a, uh, you know, he had a couple of acupuncture treatments, and the good news is I had a really joyful text over the weekend that he was now finally starting to go on his own. So um, you suspected that was going to happen at some point. I did because the the first time we were helping him go to the bathroom, I did have to put a catheter in. Uh, Over the weekend, I did encourage them to come in one more time just in case. So when I put that catheter in, uh, didn't get any urine back. 
-hmm. didn't feel any urine in the bladder. So I knew that he was starting to leak, mm -hmm. do something there. Uh, and then uh, through the rest of the weekend there, we got good news that, that he was starting to go on his own. So the next step now is it, it's sort of like one foot in front of the other. Just start to get a little uh, feeling back. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like when you realize you slept on your arm and you're trying to get, you know, when you, you take the weight off of that, mm -hmm. uh, you start to get circulation back and tingling. So that's what he's going through now, just getting that feeling going, going, oh, my legs are still there again. Mm. Good. Good. So a few more acupuncture treatments and you're hoping to, that'll settle it for him or maybe he'll need it maintenance for a while? Well, it's uh, for probably the next couple of weeks. We'll do once a week uh, as a tune-up and then probably every six to week, eight to week or roughly six to eight weeks after that should be uh, you know, efficient for a few more times. Um, it seems like it's sort of like my chiropractor told me, you know, um, if you come in for maintenance, you're better off than just waiting for the crisis. So, uh, you know, going forward, we're just going to keep doing maintenance tune-ups to make sure that he makes a full recovery. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, that was a big accident. I mean, for a little yeah. guy, he's lucky to have lived through it and, you know, to, to still keep going. I mean, horses and dogs just don't quite always work so work out so well together. And we've been in, in that experience ourselves, you know? Yeah, they have that fight or flight yeah. response and unfortunately they get in the way, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, there's another interesting case we had with a patient we've been working with for a couple of weeks. His pet parent, she's an excellent lady. She's a groomer. Her sister is a veterinarian. So this pet is very well cared for. And he came to a point where he really went downhill very quickly. And what started all of this for this guy? Well, he's a, being a 10-year-old yellow lab, um, he, they can go through different crises about that point. It's kind of the break point in, in, in going into seniorhood. Uh, when he presented, he couldn't walk. Uh, he was very pale and extremely weak. Uh, he'd had a really nice workup done by his previous vet, uh, and they discovered that the liver wasn't working quite right. So, uh, we ran another uh, test called an urine cortisol to creatinine ratio to determine, okay, how much cortisol are you actually producing? And it was a high normal. So we worry that maybe he has Cushing syndrome mm -hmm. that caused the weakness. So the hormones that are shifting inside the body, unfortunately, cause the organ systems to get confused. So like your cell phone, when it's not quite coming in correctly, it okay. can't really hear what's mm -hmm. going on. Yeah. Got it. So... Now he's better? We did a unique technique called blood aquapuncture at first. So what I did was draw blood from him and inject that into acupuncture points. Mm -hmm. uh, marked results the next day. She called and said, you know, he's up, he's walking, he's eating. Okay. He's doing much better. Uh, and when I saw him again to do another round of that, uh, he was actually, he pinked up. He had really good color. His eyes were more bright. Mm -hmm. uh, I could still tell that he was not feeling as well yet, but but he was definitely starting to make the the turn. Good. I'm glad to hear it. So he's a good dog and a great owner. Yeah, yeah. They, right. She's a wonderful owner, and she they're very attentive, and I think that's what makes it work. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think so too. Yeah. I think the owner. What the owner has to do with it is one of the deciding factors of whether or not that's going to work. Yeah, they feel and you have to believe in it too. If you believe in it, then you have the confidence in it to keep going with it. And then it works. Yeah, it puts that intention out there. And mm -hmm. then the animals pick up on that. Yeah, and you have to have patience, too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so some interesting cases. We had one more of a beautiful, furry, great Pyrenees who came in to update a vaccine, and the owner asked if we could just look in her ear. Yeah, it was gunky, moist, uh, ear debris. Uh, the ear cytology findings did show that it was a stainable wax, which usually means an active ear inflammation, and some yeast in there. And so uh, that usually prompts me to look at uh, yeast-type infection versus bacterial infection. Okay. So a yeasty-type infection, what she was doing was leaning into the owner when he was handling her ear. She wasn't, like, yelping and jumping back. So that's kind of an indicator of what kind of infection you're dealing with. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeast, they want to lean into you. Mm-hmm. And bacteria, they want to push away because it hurts. So she had a fever, though, of 104.4. What's the normal temp for a dog? Well, most dogs that come in are about 101 to 102. You know, mm-hmm. if they're super excited and wound up, and she was nervous. She was. Uh, they could push it up a little bit higher. But 104.4 indicates there was a little more going on that maybe was behind that ear infection. Oh, okay. We also like to ask each owner to review the Colorado State University Canine Acute Pain Scale. This form helps you go through the symptoms of pain, which are different in cats and dogs than one might think. The owner knew things weren't quite right, and that dog ended up being a 2 for the score on the scale of zero to four, shaking her head and whimpering. And then we had the owner return for a temp check yesterday just to monitor that for them to see if we were going to have to start an antibiotic. Yeah, because you want to make 104.4, you want to see what's going on the next day because sometimes it can be excitement or maybe um, when the dog is starting to uh, do their own, um, you know, reduce their own temperature. Uh, we want to make sure that came down. Mm-hmm. But if it's still high, then it may prompt us to move on to oral antibiotics to help. All right. So it's interesting, the findings that come out of the ear culture studies that you do. So this is a swab. You send it out to a lab. The lab you know, assesses it. They have to grow this culture for a while. And we have animals with consistent ear infections that after conservatively being treated to have recurring ear infections. In fact, we had a desperate call from an owner who had this issue for years, spent thousands, and the dog was still sick, chronic ear infections, and he had never had an ear culture. Yeah, it's so important, especially on chronic cases. Maybe the first time you can do ear cytology, but if they keep coming back, there's a root source problem. And a lot of times when we're getting those cultures back, we find some surprising results a lot of resistant bacteria form what they call biofilm. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. So the biofilm overgrows the bacteria that's in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Usually a pseudomonas, but uh, other big players now are MRSA Mm -hmm. and methicillin-resistant staph. And those are, and even E. coli. They've Mm -hmm. had uh, pretty resistant E. coli out of the ear. Uh, Ew. that's, That's from the fecal matter. So yeah. it's usually coming up through the nose, through the nasal passage, and colonizing the sinus tract. So you know there's a lot of congestion there. Oh, man. These yeah. ugh, these require custom medications. You can't just throw an antibiotic off the shelf at this animal after this. No, and it becomes uh, you know judicial use of the antibiotic because uh, the the particular bacteria, if you know what it's resistant or sensitive to, it pushes you to have that right there, that right antibiotic right away. Often we have to start at least uh, an ancillary antibiotic 
until we get those results back because it does take seven to ten days to get results but at the same time you're going to have information that says how am I going to get rid of this ultimately oh yeah once and for all once and for all yeah. are people at risk of getting anything from their pets if they have like MRSA in their ear or something like that I mean are, could you catch that definitely oh really because um, MRSA is staph bacteria we all have staph bacteria some are good some are bad but it can transfer into our mucous membranes, into uh, cuts and little scrapes on mm. our skin. We don't realize that even though we may not have an obvious cut, there's small little nicks, and mm-hmm. uh, especially during the winter time where you get cracked skin and stuff like that, and bacteria can keep in there. Ew. Yeah. All right. Well, we've developed an ear infection guide for our listeners. It's on Pinterest, and it's also on our awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice page on Facebook. If you'd like a copy, you can find it there, or you can email us at holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. The ear infection guide gives you some info that helps you understand like what types of ear infections your pet might have and uh, maybe the difference in behavior between a yeast ear and an infected ear. So we talked about leaning in when a pet has more of a UC infection and they really like to have their ears handled because that itchy part feels good. Um, And then the bacterial infection, which is pretty painful and really needs to be seen. Well, they both need to be seen right away, but the bacteria is, is very painful. Extremely painful. And they, uh, uh, when they, are feeling that discomfort. It's it's funny because yeast is kind of a tickly, itchy little organism, and bacteria seem to really get aggressive in there and cause a lot of discomfort. So you can you can definitely tell when they have a bacteria infection. You can't only even touch the ear. Okay, um, tell us about some of the treatments that work the best for ear infections. Just your standard ear infection. Maybe the first time someone comes in, we're not talking having to go to the ear culture route yet. No, if, for step one, ear cytology. You know, mm-hmm. find out if there's anything growing in there. Uh, for mild ear infections, we want to use an, just a standard ear cleaner. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily want to go to medication right away. Just clean the ear out. Uh, for moderate yeast infections, uh, we're going to a combination of a weekly treatment along with uh, maybe some cleaner uh, to help with that as well. Uh, the more severe infections, we're culturing for sure right away, uh, especially if it's the owner says, well, I tried some things at home and it didn't mm-hmm. quite work. We're getting right into culture right away. Yeah. Okay. I read that dogs that have food allergies and sensitivities express those in their paws and ears. Yeah, definitely. The GI tract is probably the biggest area uh, to get that yeast started, and then it can transfer to the feet and the ears and even scooting. One of the big things for scooting is they can get yeast built up around the perianal area uh, and then can back up their anal glands. Oh, really? So yeah. that's why they do it. That's why they do it. That's one of the reasons. Yeah. We used to have a dog that did that all the time. Yeah. Doppler. That's getting boogie, you know. <laughs> he did. What's the difference between like an allergy and a sensitivity and how those affect a pet's ears? Well, sensitivities, they are the initial exposure may prompt the body to record that information. Uh, but an allergy actually gets recorded and gets repeated over and over whether they're exposed to it or not, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, just keeps handing off that inflammation and just keeps it going. Okay. So the do's and don'ts of ear infections. Um, never go deeper than you can see the end of your Q-tip. Um, better to use a finger with a cotton ball. So don't dig in there and try to dig all that out because you don't need to. You 
What's an L-shaped ear canal? Well, the the vertical canal is first, and then it bends to a horizontal canal, and then you get the eardrum. So, in our ear, when you look in there, it's per, almost straight. Um, when I've used ear scopes to look in my own ear, it's it's nice and straight. But a dog's ear canal bends, so you can actually push that debris uh, back down next to the eardrum and cause a lot of a lot of damage. Okay, so don't don't mess with it. Probably. Best thing, don't mess with it. Don't add tea tree oil. That was a thing for a while. <laughs> yeah, don't don't add anything in there because the eardrum, if it's open, and I I made that mistake with myself. I decided to get some earwax cleaner and it. My eardrum was open. It went right on through, and it just burned through my sinus and everything. Every, everywhere else. <laughs> yeah, okay, right. so do, and don't really buy stuff off the shelf to try to solve an ear infection. No, talk to your veterinarian. You this know, is a vet a, visit. Yeah, it's a vet visit every time, you know, just uh, to get to the root of what's going on. All right. Yeah. Um, should people clean their pet's ears regularly? I think once a week regimen where you look in the pet's ears if they have a light amount of earwax, using a standard cleaner recommended by your veterinarian, uh, combined with some nail trimming, brushing them out, maybe in a bath at that time, uh, is a good regimen to get into once a week. Oh, okay. All right. So yeah. uh, go to our Facebook page for that ear infection guide for more info. It's awesome. Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. Uh, we're taking questions today live on the Voice America Variety Channel. The number to call is 888-472-5788. Um, you know, what we should do is put a video on how to clean your dog's ears Great on idea. our awesome Woo Woo page. So let's do that today, too. Yeah, let's do okay. It. All right. You get to do it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> okay. My coveralls on. No. <laughs> well, I, it's kind of like that, though. It is. It's crazy. They can really you got and you have to let them shake it all out of their ears, right? Yeah, right at the end, it, they they naturally want to shake out that ear debris and and also some moisture that's in there. So, towel, you know, the bathroom uh, or just outside the door after a walk is a is a good place to clean their ears. So uh, when they do shake, then it's not. Don't have your Sunday best on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And the things you find in ears are pretty interesting. I mean, obviously the different bacteria, the yeast. One time, um, do you remember taking that? It was like a, a football-shaped piece of wax. It was huge out of a puppy's ear. Yeah. Yeah. It, you can get waxy buildup. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, poodles get big hairballs when the hair grows mm. down the ear. I pulled out what looks like a small puppy out of a (laughs) dog's ear. You're not exaggerating at all, I'm sure. All right. So uh, changing gears a little bit, we're talking about hydration right now. It's winter and you wouldn't think your pet would need to worry about hydration like they would in the summer, but that is actually not true. A heated environment indoors can sap your pet's hydration as much as a hot summer day. That's for sure. The dry air takes a lot of moisture too. And so you would think, well, it's cold. Why do you need to be well hydrated? But it's important to generate heat in the body to have water because water is a good generator of heat. It's a good cooling mechanism too. So it's sort of like antifreeze in your car. You need to be able to take the heat away or warm the body up. Oh, okay. All right. Got it. I noticed like our dogs lay next to the heaters. Like we have some space heaters because our house is cold and not very well insulated. Yeah. Uh, and like they're always drinking all the time, even the cats. Yeah, they all drink a lot. And, and you can add wet food to the diet. 
to help them ingest more water that way too, mm-hmm. especially if they don't drink enough. The dogs and cats, if you look at them, they're not very efficient drinkers. They lap, so about half of it goes in their mouth and half of it comes out. Oh, okay. All right, got it. Um, the horses are drinking so much in their tanks, so you're always out there refilling everything for them. Um, we have a horse rescue. It's called Proud Ponies Equine Rescue. It's located in Harvard, Illinois, looking for volunteers, if anybody would like to do that. Um, and uh, anyway, so there's there's just a lot that goes into managing um, animals during the winter. That's for sure. Keep balls of water around the house. Use a fountain for cats, you know, dribble the faucet. Uh, ice cubes can be a fun way to to add to the water. You, you don't not necessarily want to let them chew on the ice cubes, but put it in the water to, to so they can play with it. Uh, and there again, adding a little moist food to the diet can also encourage them to eat their water, which is a much more efficient way to, for them to get hydration. Mm-hmm. So and it adds a little extra something. Yeah, and you notice it with the horses when I add some moist hay cubes that they don't drink near as much because they're they're just eating it and they're able to process it through their system yeah okay it's much more efficient Uh, what about um some frozen broth good stuff uh bone broth is probably one of the best things that you can do in a crock pot you put uh, a a lot of raw bones that you've you've cut the meat off of uh, cover it with water about 12 to 24 hours take the bones off you got bone broth freeze it in ice cube trays uh, let those thaw out a little bit so they're not just chewing on the ice cube. Great hydration method as well. Mm. You know, um, Under the Weather makes a bone broth product. It's dehydrated. They they make all these like dehydrated um, supplemental kind of foods. So say your dog uh, vomiting, diarrhea, that kind of thing. Um, they make a dehydrated chicken and rice formula or chicken and pumpkin formula. I love their products and they do make the bone broth, which we do carry here in our pet store. Yeah, they're awesome. And, and dehydrated lasts a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about spoilage. Uh, the, the freeze-dried products are really good too. And you just add water to it. Uh, adds a ton of moisture. You get the flavor out of the food again. And mm-hmm. It's sort of like reconstituting mashed potatoes. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, the mashed potatoes you get in a box. Yeah, and they love it. I mean, it, yeah, especially what's what could be better if you're not feeling well than a, almost like a warm soupy food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of gets you going. Again. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, um, they uh, those are from under the weather. I'm sure you can probably find them online, or you can call us or get in touch with us. We can send them to you. Um, they have just a really great line of different products that uh, we strongly encourage our owners to use, and it's so convenient. You don't have to go home and. Figure out how you're going to make chicken and rice and, you know, spend all that time in your kitchen and dirty everything up. You can just reconstitute this pouch. And I think it has electrolytes and stuff in it, too. So it's pretty much everything you need without even having to go to the store. It's already made and great travel pack. So Yeah, great for travel. Like, it's great to have something like that in your car when you're traveling. Yeah. And just something to have around the kitchen just in case. Because, you know, you never know it's going to be a weekend and your pet won't eat or, yeah, you know, if, how that's going to go. If you have to be gone on vacation or something like that, if you have to board your pet, it's a great thing to take to the to the kennel. A uh, great thing to leave with the house sitter to mm-hmm. say if they won't eat. Or it's just a good anxiety food. I mean, it's a good all-around way to, 
And you're not going to interrupt their their diet that way, and they're not going to spoil them. Yeah, why didn't we think of this? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I wish I'd thought of it. <laughs> it's a great product. Oh, great product. So coming up, we're going to be talking a little bit about the keto diet for dogs and um, also lowering blood sugar a little bit. So you've all heard of keto. Keto's the new thing for people, and like a lot of diets, those kind of get brought down into the animal world a little bit. We're going to find out who keto is appropriate for, if anyone, as far as pets go. Then we're going to talk to our client and our friend, Lindsay Halpern-Givens. Lindsay does all kinds of things, like she'll get you married if you want to do that. She is an ordained minister. But she also has some cool things she does. Reiki, she's a Reiki master, works with animals, and she also uses crystals as well as she's going to talk to us a little about um, some different aromatherapy you could do with your pets. And we're going to talk about diffusers. These scented oils are ubiquitous. We have them everywhere. And we want to know if those are really good for animals in the house. Okay. So we'll be right back on Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. See you soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts, we'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. 
You are listening to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. I'm Kristen Carlson. I'm here with Dr. Jim Carlson, holistic veterinarian. And we're here to answer all of your questions. So if you want to hit us up, you can be sure to do that. Um, We're also here to provide guidance in this podcast to people who are looking for information or just looking to find a way to spark a conversation with their own veterinarian about their pet's health. So, you know, what we're talking about really isn't considered medical advice for individual pets, but you are welcome to pick our brains today. I'm going to give you the number again. It's 866-472-5788. Dr. Carlson does offer telemedicine services, custom holistic testing, and homeopathy, as well as records review for you. So you can shop for that on our Facebook page, Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice, or get in touch with us at holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. We'll be happy to let you know if we can help you or point you in a direction of somebody who can. And also a good resource if you are looking to find a holistic vet in your area, or maybe even just talk to one and see if they can help you, is the ahvma.org. And the HVMA is the American uh, Holistic Veterinary Medical Association. There's a locator of veterinarians on there that can help you. And, of course, we'd love to help you, too. So, so the Chi Institute in Florida has a – on their website, they have a search uh, for acupuncturists. Okay. Uh, it's Chi, which is C-H-I Institute. Okay, great. All right. Well, yeah, they, and they're really good. They do great work down there. Yeah. Okay, so today uh, we're going to continue our discussion a little bit about those scented oils that are ubiquitous on store shelves. There's nothing nicer than smelling pumpkin spice, cinnamon stick, vanilla cupcake scents around this time of year in the winter when it gets stuffy in your house. But sometimes a method of delivery can be dangerous for your pets. There are many ways to scent your home, including sprays candles, plug-ins, but today we're going to focus on diffusers. And these are those little electric systems that you combine a little water in and a few essential oils, and then you diffuse the water vapor throughout the room. And they smell awesome, but it's a concern for pets if they're exposed to too much oil. And Dr. Carlson was interviewed by the Northwest Indiana Times and provided info for their story on this subject. And the part that was interesting to me was the sensitivity of a pet's respiratory system compared to that of a human. It's amazing. I mean, dogs, 300 million scent receptors. So they can sniff cancer, they can sniff drugs, they can sniff explosives. And you've had people come in and say that they thought that their dog sniffed out their cancer. Yeah, they they came up and just kept targeting the area of concern. Mm-hmm. They said, what's wrong with you? You've never done this before. What's going on? But it went on and on, and then on and eventually on. the owner found out that they had cancer in that area. Yeah, I went to the doctor and said, you know, my dog keeps messing around with me there. So, uh, you know, the one thing that I was... Uh, that she was concerned about. And the doctor said, well, let's check it out. And sure enough, cancer. All right. And cats also have 200 million set receptors. 200 million. That's the the equivalent would be a hundred yard football field. They can smell a mouse a hundred yards away. Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing. That's crazy. So they're, that's why they're so sensitive <laughs> because the nature, they can they can smell what's much greater, 10 times more than we can. Yeah. So do you want to diffuse if there's a cat in the home? 
Uh, it's best not to diffuse for cats uh, because there's being smaller animals than dogs, even though they have less centers, less cent receptors than dogs, um, being a much smaller animal and equivalent per pound, they have many more scent receptors than a dog. Oh, yeah. So they're so much more sensitive and it's just better not to diffuse it. And cats and dogs have like 2 million more scent. <laughs> Two billion more scent receptors than we have, yeah. right? As people, so, so it, it smells really more. good to me to really smell up the house with the lavender and the peppermint oils. The cats may not appreciate that. They they may not be too strong for them, so you want to be careful of that. All right. So some oils are very intense, others are milder. What's the difference? And are there specific oils that are pet safe? Well, many of them are very safe, especially when mixed with a carrier oil. So. Mixing with the carrier oil, the, the carrier oil dilutes that out so it can be applied to them uh, with minimal irritation. You always want to start off with just a little spot on the inside of the leg, about the size of a pencil eraser, and then wait uh, for 15 minutes and see if you get a red mark or, or anything that's, uh, if the pet's irritated by that, then don't use it. Okay, so there, you're, it's just usually going to be a skin-based reaction. Yeah, skin-based reaction. Uh, but safer in a carrier oil? Yeah. So a carrier oil can be anything, right? Any kind of oil. It could be olive oil. Um, what else? Yeah, the coconut oil, um, the of course, the olive oil. Um, and, and there's other, like almond oil. These mm -hmm. are uh, most of the oils that we can ingest are safe to use as a carrier. Oh, okay. All right. So reactions include vasodilation, oral irritation. So if they licked it. That's one issue. So if you're putting oil on a cat, you just don't want, or a dog, you just don't want them to lick it off. Yeah, and they can, you know, in addition to gastric irritation, they can also break out in hives, and that's why you want to start with just that little bit first. Little teeny they, tiny. Because if they're reacting there, then obviously you're going to see much bigger reaction over All the course right. of the body. We actually have a caller on hold, Connie that's awesome. from Iowa, joining us today. What can you tell? What what kind of questions do you have today? Well, I have 12-year-old teddy bears. Okay. And So that's the teddy bear I've never is... done much with their ears because when I bathe them, I scrub their whole face and head, and I'm sure mm -hmm. water gets in their ears. So I just dry it with a hair dryer because their ears are kind of floppy, but they lick each other's ears all the time. Mm. Interesting. What do you do that for? Well, they they smell yeast as well. So they and they because they have greater scent receptors, they're going to pick up on just a little bit of yeast in there, and they'll actually clean each other's ears. It's also part of infection. So, uh, you know, but in the course of licking the ears, they're going to introduce some moisture and bacteria right? and bacteria because oh. there's bacteria in the mouth. So, okay. uh, to prevent uh, moisture from getting in there. During a bath, you can use a little bit of Vaseline on a cotton ball to, to plug the ear okay. uh, while you're bathing. But you can use just a teeny bit of, of Vaseline around the ear. Uh, so if they are licking, it provides a little extra barrier to the ear as well. So then oh. you're not getting into to too much irritation. All right. So they're very far into their ear? Uh, just not around the folds. The Oh, okay, okay. Just, just around the outer part, yeah. right? Just around the outer oh, part, okay. just like you would put the lotion on your hands. You know, you don't want to use very much. 
Uh, but yeah. you do uh, just want to put a thin film uh, just around the folds of the ear. Do they have hairy ears like oh. inside the ear canal? No, not really. Not really. Okay. That's good. Yeah, that way the... And I had one other... That's okay, mm-hmm. go ahead. Sure, no problem. Go ahead. Um, I have one that has bladder stones. So they they started on um, the urinary sodium diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Royal Canaan Royal Canaan SO. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just give it to both of them because they eat out of the same bowls and they just that's the way it is. Are they going to get trouble with sodium and, and heart pumping and keeping too much, eating too much salt since they're older? That's a good question. And the, uh, the salt in there encourages them to drink more water. So adding, you know, making sure they have plenty of fresh water to drink, but also adding a little bit of wet food to their diet. If, if you give them plenty of water, they, you won't have any trouble with the salt, but that's why it's in there, to make them drink more so they're flushing their bladder out. And the bone broth bone broth cubes and... Yeah, bone broth cubes can work great, stuff too. Stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. I hope we answered all your questions. I think we must have. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All thanks, right. Bye. Right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Um, we have uh, want to continue our discussion about uh, diffusing oils, and we have Lindsay Halpern Givens with us today. She's going to joining us to talk about her career helping animals through holistic means. And one thing we'll start today with is your knowledge of essential oils and aromatherapy. Hi, Lindsay. How you doing? Hello. So um, I, I think we're talking about um, essential oils, and um, I wanted to bring up hydrosols. Okay. That's great. And. Um, hydrosols are also known as flower waters, and they're produced by distilling fresh leaves and fruits and flowers and other plant materials. And they're similar to essential oils, but the reason um, I like to use them is because they're less concentrated. And I was listening to you talk uh, earlier about, you know, um, how animals uh, smell and um, their senses are much more heightened than ours, and so hydrosols are a great choice for them because you can definitely smell them, but because they're distilled in water, they don't have the same um, concentration that uh, essential oils do. That sounds like something you could make yourself. Yeah, fantastic. You probably could. I think um, a lot of times people... um, you need some equipment that, you know, might be a little bit more pricey, but you can definitely buy them from a lot of places online. Um, and when you're looking for oils um, or hydrosols, I always tell people to look um, at what's called GCMS sheets, and that tells you the chemical makeup of the of the hydrosol or the oil and why you would want to use it, where the plants came from. Sometimes in oils, we learn a lot about chemistry. And so there might be properties in an oil, like say you wanted um, lavender uh, for your pet because your pet was very easily excited or or, um, anxious. And the lavender has properties that will help to calm the pet. But you might want to know what the chemical makeup is. And you can always ask reputable um, oil sellers if they have GCMS sheets. Okay. So um, what, when you're working with a dog, like, like uh, you were saying earlier, um, I don't recommend diffusing around cats. Um, you know, if you really want a diffuser, um, I would make sure that the oil is, is um, 
recognized as generally safe for a, a dog if you have a dog in the house and then put the diffuser up where the t- dog can't get near it. But um, I prefer hydrosols. Um, I know um, some people have even asked me as an aromatherapist, you know, can I give my dog oils, I'll put it on their food, and I would very much... Um, advise against giving essential oils internally because we don't know how they affect the gut flora in an animal. Mm, hadn't thought about that. <laughs> yeah, there's the a lot to think about, you know. You really yeah. you really have to consider all these different things. And you were talking about, um, you know, how you would dispense an oil on an animal. And um, and that was something that, um, that I've thought about and wondered about, um, and I know some people may disagree with me about it, but if you, uh, you mentioned carrier oils, and I just really wanted to affirm and stress how important diluting an oil in a carrier oil is, because like, for example, a lot of people like chamomile, and chamomile, we think of, you know, chamomile tea, we drink it, it'll be gentle, make us a little drowsy before bed, but one drop of chamomile essential oil is equal to about 50 cups of chamomile tea. So if you (laughs) see it in that context, I think that makes it a little more understandable or real to people. And that's why I prefer hydrosols. Yeah, interesting. So you provide some other different services to pets, including Reiki and crystals. You're a Reiki master. How Mm -hmm. can you help pets through Reiki? Um, Well, um, if, I'm not sure if all your listeners know what Reiki is, but um, Reiki is a spiritual healing art. Um, It's not a massage. If you're a person and you're going for Reiki, you usually sit in a chair or lie on a table and you're fully clothed and a Reiki practitioner or Reiki master would have hand positions that they would use um, to um, provide a sense of connection to the universal energy that's everywhere. It's a subtle form. It may make you sleepy and um, feel comfortable while you're there. You may say you feel nothing. Um, And it's kind of the same for pets. So um, obviously they're not going to be clothed and they're probably not going to be laying on a table. But um, (laughs) They might. (laughs) They might, um, depending on... Depends on um, which dog of mine you are interested in. (laughs) um, Or if the dog is really sick. Um, Oftentimes with animal Reiki, we let pe- we let the animals kind of take the lead. So if I'm, um, I uh, had a, a client recently that had some actually kind of weaves both these topics together. Had some overexposure to um, to a, a smudge, like when that their house was smudged, and um, and so the client requested Reiki for their animal, and um, the dog at first just didn't really, you know, want to have anything to do with me, but I just kind of let the animal come to me. And so animal Reiki sessions may be longer or shorter. Usually um, we don't necessarily touch the animal, although if the animal comes near and seems to be inviting touch, we might want to. Um, Sometimes animals like you know, anybody else will pass on Reiki. And then um, in my training we were taught that, um, you know, perhaps then you offer the the Reiki to the guardian of the animal and the animal then um, may benefit indirectly. Okay, so what do you exactly do in a Reiki session? Like you use your hands or? Mm-hmm. Right, there are, um, there are hand there are hand positions that we're taught and depending on if a person just is, you know, or an animal is just generally not 
seeming to feel well, I might do, first I would do an energy sweep and see if there are areas that feel blocked to me. And um, I actually have had clients that have had, kind of like you were saying about the dog, um, and I was I was kind of skeptical before I went through all my Reiki training, but um, the more I have offered Reiki to others, um, I have been able to find tumors without them telling me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like the energy just feels different. There's a lot of heat often around a tumor, and so I'll say to the person, you know, your energy is blocked here, and they'll say, well, yes, here's the reason why. Um, And the first time that happened to me, I just remember kind of feeling like, whoa. (laughs) But... um, Yeah, I'd say. uh, (laughs) (laughs) So so you can kind of, you know, get a sense of where there might be um, energy blockages. Mm -hmm. And then I might direct um, the Reiki hand positions accordingly to where a person may feel or an animal may feel a specific sense that is troubling. If an animal has maybe a wound or um, is, is having... Uh, some problems, you know, walking, uh, maybe has luxating patellas or something, I would direct my energy to specific places. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We have a dog with luxating patellas. We do. Chorky. A little Chorky. Yeah. <laughs> a little Chorky. <laughs> I, I she also actually... would come in an outfit. She would come dressed in an outfit for her Reiki session, so. And she'd oh, lay she on would. the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she's, she's like a person. She's, um, she's into fashion, huh? Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She has her bow in today and everything. I can relate. We have a lot of clothes for our A dog. lot of people use crystals for many reasons, ranging from emotions to health. Um, mm-hmm. This is the woo-woo part that we sometimes joke about, but I love crystals. Yep. I think they're so cool. They are fun. Yeah, crystals are good. Tell us how they work. Well, um, and I, I want to be forthright. I don't know exactly that I, that I have an exact answer to that question, and I think you could ask different um, people trained in using crystals and get different answers. Um, I think to some degree, I personally believe in their power and their energy, and I'm actually wearing uh, amethyst and labradorite this morning. Um, um, and I feel you're just when wearing I Labrador, wear... right? Because you're on a show about dogs. <laughs> Is that why? <laughs> Good one. <laughs> no, actually, I'm wearing them because they match what I happen to be wearing for the oh. um, rest of the day. <laughs> Fashion crystals. But, um, but the amethyst was very intentional because amethyst amethyst was used by the early Greeks, um, and it was thought to actually um, provide stability and um, strength and kind of like a detox for for people who had imbibed too much. So kind of a funny thing about amethyst. That must have amethyst. been why it was my sorority's uh, gemstone. Oh, okay. <laughs> the Sigma Kappa gemstone. <laughs> That's really wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, that wasn't very good. Um, so you like feel stronger when you carry an amethyst. I, I do feel stronger when I carry an amethyst. When I'm looking for clarity, I might um, use a clear quartz. Uh, if I'm looking for a sense of protection, I might use uh, black tourmaline. So um, there's a whole list of all different kinds of things. I mean, there are, there are um, for example, um, your heart or around the heart chakra, people suggest um, emerald because it's believed to be nourishing to the heart or um, maybe green appetite because it soothes um, the imbalances in the heart, for example. So you can go through the chakras and find that people have um, found that from personal experience that that they um, 
that they carry these stones and it seems to offer them strength or protection or a variety of things. I have looked and looked for, you know, any kind of research and I think it would be a really great research topic to, um, to find out if there's actual um, scientific basis because I like to have a balance. You know, I think our personal yeah. beliefs, I mean, I've been involved in faith and um, spirituality for most of my professional life and I think that, that um Having that sense of connection and support is really vital to us yeah. and to our mental health. But, All right. Um, well, thank you so much, Lindsay. I, I agree. I mean, I think Dr. Carlson agrees, too. They're wonderful, wonderful yeah. products. There's just a lot of spirituality and holistic type medicine. Oh, totally. All right. Well, yeah. thanks for being with us today. We really appreciate it. We did want to get in also a little bit about the keto diet for dogs. Everyone's heard of the popularity of the keto diet. Now dogs are getting in on the keto lifestyle. It's a diet that's high in fat, low in sugar and carbs. Keto is being used as a way to avoid disease and cope with current illnesses. It's an up-and-coming way of feeding that revolves around the notion of ketosis, and ketosis follows the natural digestive patterns of dogs. So if you kind of think about it, uh, their ancestors would have to go through a level of ketosis between the time that they would hunt and eat, and then the next time they would hunt and eat. Uh, so it's like instinctual diet. That. It's instinctual to them, uh, and I think uh, because in this country the food is so plentiful. Is that dogs, um, you know, we tend to overfeed them. We tend to overtreat yeah. them. So. And ourselves. <laughs> and ourselves. You know, look at uh, all what, the foods available. What problems is keto supposed to solve? Well, it, it solves uh, diabetes. It can help with that. It can help with cancer therapy and also neuro, neurogenitive problems, including seizures. Oh, okay. So those are the kinds of things we're looking at using it for. Cancer, seizures. Is there any proof that it works? Well, there's no concrete research out there, uh, so none of the dog food that shows that it works that we know of is is taking the, the step oh. forward to do the research on it yet. Uh, there are some you know, kind of initial studies that show that there's some benefit to it, but nothing concrete yet. Oh, okay, but probably a lot of anecdotal evidence. A lot of anecdotal evidence, okay. which is it's promising, and I, it has its place. And I use it a lot for cancer therapy patients. Right, because if you can give somebody some time, if, if it does slow cancer down, which is the goal, or if it does reduce the number of seizures, even by one a day or one a week, it, you know, you're giving people more time with their animal. And that's kind of what holistic medicine does. Definitely. Food's therapy. So you want to start with a baseline of food and then use uh, adjunct therapy as you as you need to from there, because it's, it's not a replacement uh, for uh, all the medicines. Right. You know, and it's probably it's not forever either. Not for everyone. Not for not, not for, for everyone or forever, but yeah. uh, probably can um, you know help over time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So keto for dogs. Well, we're glad you guys um, were with us today. Hope you learned some stuff. Very very good stuff today. <laughs> I'm hoping that uh, you know as we go along here that uh, a lot of the things that we're talking about are are things that you can apply at home. Mm-hmm. You can talk to your veterinarian about and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of great stuff. Yeah. Be sure to get in touch with us. You can email us holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. And we have our awesome woo-woo Holistic Vet Advice Facebook page. And we'd love to hear from you uh, next time too. So take care, everyone. And we'll see you next Thursday. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening this week to Awesome Woo-Woo Holistic Vet Advice. 
Please join your host, Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson again next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go make some time with your best friend.